Hey, Carrie, how is it with your soul today? Oh, Parker, I always love it when you ask me that question. Um, it is good with my soul today. I'm really looking forward to the conversation we'll be having with Indiana State Senator uh, Shelley Yoder, um, the, the senator from the district I live in. I am too, Carrie, very much. You know, we'll have an opportunity today to look at important forms of public service, which some of us shy away from, but today's guest certainly has not. So, welcome to The Growing Edge. I'm Parker Palmer. And I'm Carrie Newcomer. To the words and habit to us and how we live between the words. Shelley, I'm just delighted to have you here today. You know, on The Growing Edge, we've interviewed musicians and poets and novelists and social change folk of many sorts. We've never interviewed a, a practicing politician, someone who's currently holding office, and I'm really, really excited to have Shelley Yoder with us today. Welcome, Shelley. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. I really appreciate the invitation to, I guess, be the first, I'm uncomfortable with the phrase politician, but it is <laughs> what it is. Uh, I'm all about reclaiming words and giving them a fresh new spin. So yes, uh, I am honored to be your first uh, politician guest. Well, let me uh, just introduce you a little bit to our audience here. Um, Shelley Yoder is currently serving as a Democratic Indiana State Senator for District 40. She was a nominee for the House of Representatives for the Indiana 9th District. She served as president of the Monroe County Council. She's an Indiana native and has a degree in interpersonal communication, a master's in counseling and human services, a master's in divinity from Vanderbilt Divinity School. She was and continues to be a lecturer at the IU Kelly School of Business. She's been an outspoken advocate for women's reproductive health, mental health resources, has created legislation in support of Indiana's most economically vulnerable, has championed renewable and sustainable resource development, as well as preserving Indiana's unique ecosystem, state and national forests. She lives still in Bloomington, Indiana, in my hometown, with her husband and IU professor, Joss Perry, and three amazing children. In my experience, Shelly Yoder has been an inspiring example of what faithful, thoughtful, passionate public service can be. She's a powerful voice and a hero to many of us here in the state of Indiana, and I am so delighted and excited to be in conversation with Shelley Yoder today. Thank you so much. I just want to say it is my actually greatest honor to represent you in the Indiana State Senate, to serve you, and to serve really all Hoosiers uh, throughout the state, doing the best that I can, having lifting up voices that sometimes don't have an advocate, and making certain that democracy's sacred mission um, has a, a loud, um, purpose-filled voice mm -hmm. in the state senate. Shelley, I think you just gave uh, the perfect definition of, or the perfect understanding of why I regard politics as a noble enterprise, uh, rightly pursued, as you obviously are, are, are doing it. Um, and I think it's been easy in recent years to forget the nobility of politics, but we need to reclaim that as an understanding and, and as a term. So I want to dive right in by asking you, what was, what was your personal path toward politics? What, what was your personal path toward public service uh, in the broader sense of that term? I'm sure seeds were planted very early in your life that were nurtured in various ways as years went on. And I just think a lot of us who, who are ordinary, everyday garden variety citizens, always looking for a way to participate creatively in the political process, wonder, what is it? that helps make a public servant like yourself. Talk, talk to us a bit about that story, please. Well, thank you, Parker. I would really, as you were asking this question, 
thinking about how there wasn't a separation of public service from life as as I grew up in Indiana in a very small rural community of Shipshawana, Indiana. It was woven into the fabric of of being alive that you seek ways to care for one another you seek ways to improve one another's lives you seek ways to as i mentioned lift up those who need some lifting up to care to have empathy and that was just a part of being human and I think about uh, my own faith community. I grew up in the Mennonite uh, faith community, and my parents, my dad was in our small town. He was the on the town board, and it, I wasn't. It wasn't until I was an adult that I realized, wait a minute, he has had to run for this for the last thirty years. I didn't even know he was running for public office. I I just thought he just did it because he cared so much. We had a family reunion this last weekend, and as we gathered around and shared stories, uh, we were talking about my father who passed away in May of 2020, and he was responsible for raising the flag, lowering the flag, and checking the drinking water and cleaning the toilets, the public toilets. There were two public toilets every single day. Oh, man. Not the first Tuesday of every month for the you know for four years. No, every single day, uh, he was the person doing that. We'd go up with him and check the water and you know mow the grass, raise the flag, lower the flag, and it wasn't even. It never even crossed my mind the sacrifice and that kind of service, but. That's really watching him, watching my mm-hmm. both my parents, and having a, a really a meaningful and profound impact of care for one another and empathy for your neighbor in a broad sense and in a literal sense uh, from my own faith upbringing that mm-hmm. informs my public service today. So, so when, when you left town, as it were, when you went to college and took those first steps into your own adult life, were there, uh, were there, what kind of force field was that in terms of what all that you had absorbed about the public service, about the fact that politics and life weren't two different things? They were all about caring for the community in which you're embedded. But the force field, did it get more complicated after you left home? It, it definitely did. The decision to even go to college. I'm first generation when it comes to going to college. And I just had this conversation with my mother recently because I needed to just remind myself my parents were first generation high school graduates. Mm. And that that is significant to me. Uh, that is uh, my decision to go to college. It wasn't a foregone conclusion. I, I, I kind of I, I fought for it. Uh, and then I fought for uh, the kind of education that I wanted and wanted to be able to fight for other people's rights to be able to have access to higher education and, and school. And so it was every step of the way a little bit you know, of a challenge for me, uh, needing to sort of find a way to pay for it and I think in the end, uh, it just reinforced my passion and and desire to, I guess, stand for other people's opportunities to do, to uh, to do that as well. And it might have been hard, but every step it was definitely worth it. And today, I, I just think and, and have heard stories of individuals who have it so much more difficult. Um, you know, we have. And I want to see, you know, grow a growing population of refugees, um, immigrants, mm-hmm. uh, people who are, you know, seeking uh, a better life for themselves, and you know that really is the the vision of America and what democracy is ideally, and the importance of continuing to work towards that ideal. Is it ever finished? Absolutely not. Do we take steps backwards? We do. Uh, Do we have to continue uh, 
finding our way forward through a really sort of messy landscape. Absolutely. And uh, that's, you've put that really beautifully. And it hasn't been easy, but uh, what is there anything that's worth it? Easy. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I am really touched by this. Growing up, you know, really not realizing that there is a line between just living and being and that um, being of service, the care for one another, that that service to the community, <laughs> there's no dividing line. And, and growing up that way, I think sometimes there's this uh, attitude that public service is a spectator sport for the, those who aren't in it. Mm-hmm. And and it's not at all. I mean, this idea of, okay, in, in spiritual language, the sacred and the ordinary, there's actually no line between the two. Um, mm-hmm. To live and to be of of good service in the world. There's no line between the two. And that's really powerful that that, that was a given in growing up. Mm. And still a given, it seems like. Yes, this idea that American democracy is built on this idea that we care for one another, that ethic mm-hmm. of care. Yeah. And when we have individuals disengage or when they don't see themselves as integral or having a place in that idea of American democracy, it, it just begins to fray the edges and ultimately, you know, the fabric of our society begins to unravel. I was at uh, one of the great things we get to do is work our 4-H fair, uh, every our county fair. And so I was out there last week and you know, just meeting people and having good conversations. And I, you know, to ask, are you registered to vote? Can I help you get registered? And it, it, it was more than once that I would have someone say, oh, I'm not the voter in my family. I let someone else take care of that. Hmm. And, you know, holding space for that person's reality and also taking an opportunity to say, well, that responsibility of voting is each and every one of us. Uh, it's our right. And if you ever change your mind, you know, I'm, I'm here to get you registered. But um, that notion that it's for some and not for all, I think, is one that we need to continue to shedding light on and providing opportunities for people to register to vote and finding ways to make it easier to vote. Well, I have a question because I think for a lot of us, it's, it's there is a little mysterious part of this, you know, that what does the daily routine of a state senator look like? I mean, can can you kind of give us a window into what daily work in um, yeah. public service? And, and I know it probably changes from week to week, you know, and even day to day. But but what would what does it day. look like for you? Yeah, re- retail politics, as they say. Mm-hmm. It really is. It it is exciting, and when when we are in session, it's similar to going to college every single day. You become mm. you you learn about issues and topics. You get to sit down and meet families and individuals where they are and find out, you know, what are real soft spots for them, what are growing pains, what are their growing edges, uh, what are their biggest challenges and hurdles. You, you do hear from industry, you hear from advocacy groups, you just, on a, when we are in session, that's just more concentrated and you're hearing multiple voices and concerns hour by hour, minute by minute. When we're not in session, uh, we continue to meet in, in way, by way of committee hearings, so we do meet in during the interim in committee but it also gives me an opportunity to do things like going to the 4-H fair and, and you know, instead of folks having to make their way to the state house, meeting people where they are, mm-hmm. uh, going door to door and asking, you know, what's on your mind? What has you concerned? Now, that can be very terrifying uh, for mm-hmm. people today. Um, the idea of walking up to somebody's front door and knocking and introducing yourself and finding out, uh, how can I make your life better? And it's not just me. I mean, I have an incredible staff that I can go back to and get research, um, 
pull histories, you know, of like what, what's been the history of this or what are other states doing to address this problem? Um, so day to day, I do have a, a staff that works in the state house full time. Uh, and we share that staff. It's not just my staff. I, we share staff to help us do uh, the background, the, the research, writing different pieces of legislation. Yesterday, for example, was a day that I did drive to Indianapolis and met with uh, physicians, young confronting the climate crisis, youth group that's building momentum in Indiana. I met with them. Uh, I had a conversation um, on digital privacy. So it's every day is a little bit different. Some days are more macro and some days are really micro in the weeds in people's lives. And being able to pivot quickly uh, minute to minute is what's important uh, when it comes to deciding to uh, run for office or um, be a politician or get involved in politics. I like to say, this is what I say, if you care about people, you care about politics because that is yeah. the truth. If you care about people, you care about politics. So people who say, I don't like politics, what really, what what does that mean to that person? They probably don't like the bickering or what they know on TV, but yeah. there's so much more involved when you get on a, on a local level, what you can do to really do good in your community. And so I'm, it's one of my little missions to change the connotation of, of those words and the act of, of being in politics. Yeah, it seems to me that politics is about shaping a communal life in a in a people whether it's a, a nation or a state or a local community and it i think one of the reasons it makes people uncomfortable is that it introduces the notion of power right so how shall we use our power we all i think we all know if at least if we think about it for a moment that power is a neutral thing until we decide to attach it to this goal or that goal the goals aren't neutral. Some are life-giving, some aren't. Um, but it, it's a question that, that makes people nervous because I think we're nervous around questions of power. And maybe we're shy as ordinary citizens about assuming the power that we are given in a democracy, which is, after all, based on we the people, the will of, of we the people. This, this must be... I was really taken, Shelley, by your story about the individual who told you uh, at a state fair or the 4-H uh, event that I'm not the designated voter in my house, um, mm -hmm. which sounds to me like someone who really struggles with their own power, maybe first in the home setting and then in the larger world. So I'd love to hear you think about that a little bit. Um, especially in, in your role as a state senator in Indiana, where I believe there are 50 members uh, of the Senate, and you are one of 10 Democrats in, in that mix. So these, these questions of power are obviously on the table on a daily basis in your life. They are, and I'm with you. When... when she shared that response when I asked her about voting with me. I had a lot of different concerns, but um, I don't want to downplay how truly hard it is to make a decision to run for office or get involved. Because me individually, it was that's not something that is for me. That is for people who go to law school or knew they wanted to get involved in political science. And I don't have the, I don't have the intelligence. I don't have the history. I mean, I don't look like what I see politicians to look like, which is why representation is so important. It, that fear is real. Um, you know, yeah. when you begin to talk about how important education is, education is power. And so if we aren't, you know, from the very basic, you know, making sure that our teachers represent um, a diverse and inclusive 
staff group at any school so that they can relate to students and students can see themselves there and they mm-hmm. themselves see themselves as having a place in that community. I mean, it starts that early and there's a, you know, there, you know, we have lots of representation from, you know, not very many uh, people of color, BIPOC individuals who serve in the state Senate, um, women, those who identify as non-binary. I mean, those who are um, a member of the LGBTQ community. You know, we, there are many issues uh, of representation that of uh, that are of concern in the state Senate. And just the obvious Republican versus Democrat is just one of them. So keeping that in mind, uh, making sure that I hold space for the diversity that is out there and continue to work hard to educate myself, to, to educate myself, to better understand and have empathy for those who live, look, believe, love differently than I do. I think that is a really missing piece um, in, in service to others that any, um, I guess, democratic body could benefit from, but it does take every individual participating in the democratic process to make those changes. Mm-hmm. And I, I really appreciate you saying that it was a hard choice to go into public, this kind of public service. I mean, the honesty of that, that, you know, what, what was the push, you know, this, you know, things that push back when we want to step out into arena that mm-hmm. um, has often been excluded from us. You know, as as a woman, perhaps as a member of many of the communities you were just talking about, you know that um, decision and to to step into that um, uh, into that conversation, into that world, and and what pushes back against it, um, and having a lot of empathy. Um, you know, the person who said someone else votes, votes in my family, having empathy for where that might be coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, um, a lot of what you're talking about is having the politics of empathy, you know, like being able to uh, hold these disparate ideas often um, and and still, you know, even though you're holding this tension all the time to be able to try to move forward and create uh, some kind of common space that we can move forward. So I, I, I really appreciate appreciate you putting it that way and, and giving a window into that. Could I interject with, uh, before you take a next step, Carrie? Um, yeah. To lift up for a moment this point you made about education and empowering people from a very young age onward yeah. through education and the importance of representation in that so that every child has a chance to look to their to elders in various roles and say, hey, it looks like I could do that too. Mm-hmm. It looks like I could step up. I could step into the fullness of my own being. And then what I kept thinking about, Shelley, as you were talking and the, and the question I'd, I'd like to raise has to do with the fear that, and I think that's part of what Carrie was touching on too, the fear that keeps us from stepping up, from stepping forward. The, the fear that, that we have not only of leadership roles or of visible public roles of speaking our voice in public, but the fear we have with each of each other, um, a, a fear that we all know gets cultivated sometimes as part of a political strategy uh, in, in order to win power by keeping folks who might not want you in power too afraid to speak up and speak out, uh, sometimes called divide and conquer. And uh, it doesn't take five seconds of thinking about American politics to know that that kind of politics is not unusual uh, on these shores. A a big thought that often comes to me, and we don't need to go into those waters, but I I do want to say it as a way of framing uh, a a little conversation about fear and how to handle fear. Uh, Fear is the major weapon of totalitarian regimes. They keep people Mm -hmm. so afraid of each other and so afraid of entering what might be the public sphere that the public sphere Mm -hmm. disappears and neighbors and even family members can't trust each other. Um, 
and if and if and they get divided and if that doesn't remind anybody of some current realities in the United States of America then I just think you haven't been paying attention so I'm wondering how you think about the role we can all play in walking through our own fears and helping other people dial down their fears. Um, I'm in the middle right now of a really interesting conversation that started with a guy just expressing rage toward me and some of my political beliefs. But I said, let's, let's see if we can talk. And what's happening now, two, three weeks into this emerging conversation, is the, the grounds have shifted. We're no longer talking about political ideologies. We're talking about our own journeys. And we're getting somewhere. So, I don't know. I've just laid out probably too much to chew on, but I'd love to hear your thoughts about dealing with fear. I have had those same kinds of conversations and encounters when you walk in parades or you know you're out you it's easy to lose the humanity or that see me as a person or to see somebody else as a person and they just are oh they're walking with that political party or they are they are something other than um someone who who who's a real person and yeah. it's easy to throw our own fear which quickly can turn into actions of, of, of hate um, that, you know, certainly have um, been spat on. <laughs> and it wasn't me, you know, it was just, you know, oh, I would, you know, it's, I know what party you're with. And, but, you know, that's part of the, you know, part of serving is um, you're going to have these really uncomfortable encounters and the fear part is so true. And if when I'm serving, remembering what am I afraid of? Um, what has what has me tightening up? How can I begin to soften that sp spot and better listen, uh, better care for the person or individuals in front of me? You know, what's my stance? Am I putting off an air of being closed off, closed down? All of those small little adjustments uh, can can make a big difference, but you really, you know, really pinpointed the importance of connecting with people, having those conversations, and finding. You know, we hear about this: find the common ground. Sometimes that's really hard, mm -hmm. and you know, when when you're not both starting from the same place. And at some point, you know, you do just have to wish someone well and, and mm -hmm. keep working. Um, my, the, a woman I work with in my own spiritual journey, she'll say, don't throw your pearls to swine. Is what she'll <laughs> say, you know, why are you, you know, maybe this is a, a good place to just sort of lay down, lay down and uh, maybe go in another direction or come back to it later. Uh, but you know, maybe now more than ever, we just really have this uh, intensity of anger, one side toward the other, and and even within these fractioning off of um, of those parties, you know, they're inner fighting as well, yeah. um, mm -hmm. and we all can just you know take a breath and slow down and be less reactionary, but. Um, you know, sometimes it's, you know, this is sort of an idealistic way of thinking about it. Um, we, you know, we do have some real issues of uh, violence out there and it's important to stay informed and to go into these spaces knowing uh, that that is also a reality that mm -hmm. is out there that informs my own public service. Mm -hmm. Of course, of course. And, I, and so... I guess I'm wondering too. I mean, that this idea of fear and and the 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 hyper presence of fear right now, and I think that it's a fear that's being cultivated. That when we're afraid, when we're enraged, our vision narrows. You know, we get really narrow vision when we're um, and 
it's much harder to see through to solutions to creative problem solving when your when your vision is just pinpointed because you're either afraid or you're enraged um and so um you know this idea of meeting people where they are of trying to find that space where um that that fear can be relaxed or um where an encounter can open that that vision just a little bit and can you can you describe a situation where that happened for you um sometimes the most interesting connections can be made on a personal level or you know not even talking about politics at all as parker was talking about with this conversation he's having right now it starts to become about the the, the personal journey and not so much about a particular you know political issue i do try very hard and and i have much respect for the colleagues I have in the state Senate. And I know that my service to at least my district or, you know, the, the folks that live in Senate District 40 um, are better served if I am actively trying to get to know my mm, colleagues uh-huh. uh, in the Senate and making those relationships, making an effort finding ways of creating connection and nurturing those connections. When you find yourself on opposite sides of a, of a policy or a bill, that's, that's really a challenge. And yeah. we have, I have lots of opportunities to mm-hmm. try to find ways of connecting and still caring for one another, even though, you know, the vote's not going to be uh, the same. You know, we're both going to end up on opposite sides of this issue, but I'm still, I still think about you. I still care about you. Um, I'm still, I I still want to want to break bread with you and have a meal together and and find things that we do have in common. Um, I, this past session, you know, we, in Indiana, um, when Roe was overturned and the Dobbs decision came down um, a year, a little over a year ago, Indiana came back into special session to uh, address abortion and sort of find, uh, you know, how are we going to address it in Indiana? And the bill that ended up uh, passing was was a near total ban on abortion, um, at really banning access to abortion care, having that full spectrum of reproductive health care available to an individual, um, and be able to have that conversation uh, with their health care provider. Indiana, um, the majority of uh, legislators voted to have a, a near total ban of access to that care. And that was hard. Um, it was really yeah. difficult to um, to say we're not going to um, honor uh, women um, and people um, in that way. Uh, to we're not going to trust them to make those decisions. And and that to me is, uh, is when it comes to healthcare, when it comes to accessing care, I think it's. Um, it's it's a really kind of foundation um, policy to democracy, but that's where Indiana is. And um, when we came back uh, in special session, I, I really wanted to find something to work with um, those who that was an issue for me. And I um, was able to actually get um, access to contraceptive care, long-acting reversible contraceptives. Um, actually was successful in authoring a bill and having my second author be a a woman um, who I really respect. And she was the first author of that, um, of that bill last summer. Mm. Um, But she and I worked together to increase Uh access to contraceptive uh, care for um, individuals in Indiana. So things like that, um, you know, it's not going to make me not stop working and educating and advocating. Uh, I'm still going to work in that way, but um, trying to find 
different policy areas that can create common ground yeah. is is of importance to me. And uh, I think that's a good example of of maybe two individuals, uh, you know, an important relationship of mine coming together to find a way forward around similar subject matter for better care and better access for Hoosiers. So you've given a beautiful example, I think, Shelley, of, uh, of the old saying that it's better to be in right relationships sometimes than it is to be right. Uh, or a better way maybe of saying it is that maybe everybody can get to right if we stay in right relationship with each other. So the, the two go hand in hand. I'd, I'd love to ask you, and I know Carrie is very interested in this too, um, about the role of spiritual disciplines in your life. Um, I, I think that's clearly something that you started thinking about or working with before you ever decided to run for office. The spiritual dimension of your life has always been strong. And incidentally, one story that I'll, I'll take away from here is, is about your dad as a community leader yeah. cleaning out public restrooms every day of the week for the years that he was in that office. I I spent several summers on the beach at uh, Lake Michigan near Chicago cleaning public restrooms. That was my job, is how I earned teenage money. And it certainly introduced me to the American public, there's no question about that, <laughs> and made made other, uh, made what would have been difficult aspects of public life a lot easier because it, it wasn't as bad as that. Uh, so maybe your dad took similar lessons from it, I don't know. But among the spiritual disciplines, that might be one. There are others that I'm sure you're acquainted with in your own life, and I'd, I'd love to know more about um, some of the practices and disciplines that help keep you oriented towards your own North Star. Mm -hmm. uh, spending time in sacred scripture uh, for me, whether you know, that is, um, you know, that might be a lot of different um, things, but um, you know, at least finding, carving out time every day, if it's a paragraph or if it's several pages, just grounding myself in, um, in, in powerful words, uh, good music. Uh, you know, I have about an hour and 15 commute uh, to work every day to the state house and surrounding myself with music that is uplifting. Uh, music is um, really something that helps strengthen my own uh, groundedness and spiritual connection and reminder that, uh, you know, sort of this human uh, story that we're all a part of. I think storytelling is great and shout out to Carrie Newcomer. Um, <laughs> I would say um, I work with somebody um, and have worked with her for years. Um, and is there is there an identifying problem? Maybe at one point when we first started working together, there was, but now it's just being able to, you know, as a gardener, getting out there and you know working that ground every single day. Because here's the thing: different seeds get planted, um, different you know, different ideas, different subject matter. Yeah. And I cannot take away from the fact that I'm a human and I read myself into these bills or um, pieces of legislation and my own weaknesses and strengths also inform my ability to understand, process, and support or defeat, whatever the case may be, pieces of legislation. And so working with somebody to uh, make sure that I'm in a good space to do that work because I'm also a mother. I also am have you know an incredible incredible spouse. Um, I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. I'm a friend. I have those other pieces of me that um, I want to make sure I'm caring for and can can be available to uh, their their needs. So those are just different ways that I um, try to keep myself grounded. But you're right that that calling on my life, um, to give a shout out to Parker, 
um, that calling on my life uh, in letting my own life speak, it's, um, it's ever-changing, and I'm ever-changing. And so I have to have that groundedness, not necessarily to keep me stuck, but to enable me to flourish and grow because I'm constantly making sure the roots are healthy. That's wonderful. I think that's a, yeah. a, a menu of possibilities that a lot of us can learn from. I was just reminded as you spoke of something I need to be doing more of, so thank you for that, because we all need that, that grounding for sure. And it can be hard to find somebody to work with, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, to find somebody who you can be honest and, and let me just say, and not be freaking perfect. With. That yeah. is hard. Right. That's really hard being a public f- person to have the kind of trust that doesn't require perfection. I mean, don't you want that in all of your relationships? But for me, that's a real that's it's a that's a growing edge for me. It's okay to not be perfect, but who do you show that to? Yeah, I I think a lot of, I'm really glad you said that. I think a lot of Mm -hmm. folks don't realize how many people in leadership positions in politics or in in the private sphere, philanthropists, for example, their daily lives, they're surrounded by people who want something from them. And so those people are not going to tell them the truth. (laughs) They're going to, you know, shape their message to whatever they think will get the result they want. And um, that becomes a very lonely life, and that becomes, in too many cases, a very um, a life built on illusions. Uh, for me, uh, I think the only way to penetrate illusions is to have help from someone else or several someone else's in penetrating them. And I'm I'm really glad you touched on that so powerfully. Thank you. Yes, and finding someone in our lives to have those. Say you know those safe conversations, um, where we 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 can explore uh, the places where we're in, we don't think of as perfect. I don't. I haven't met a perfect person yet, and if I did, I think it would be really scary. But I I really I, <laughs> you should see me honing on the lyrics of a song. I can be kind of a perfectionist at times, uh-huh. and so letting go yeah. of of like. <laughs> That and letting go of that. Grown-ups, we're supposed to have it all together. You know, that whole idea. At a certain point, you're a grown-up. You're supposed to be competent. You're supposed to have it all together. But the idea of being a work in process, that I'm growing, that I'm becoming, that as part of your public service, you know, to do good public service, that means you have to do good inner service as well. And so I really, I'm glad that you you kind of laid that out, you know, whether it's, with scripture or readings that that lift you and and help you, uh, whether it's with conversation with with someone trusted, and uh, whether that's getting into your garden and literally grounding yourself in mm-hmm. the seeds you plant and what grows. So and music, Carrie, don't forget music. Yeah, she, and she music, mentioned which music too. Made, you know, which made me grin. So, you know, <laughs> um, so. Thank you for putting it that way because that I said the outer service and the inner service that really do go hand in hand and that that that's a that's a powerful thing and I think it's a powerful thing for our listeners too it's like whether they're a politician or whether they're doing other kinds of things that that intersection of our inner work and our outer work in the world being so important Carrie, I'm just disappointed to hear you say you don't think you know a perfect person, but you and I can talk about that later. (laughs) (laughs) Except for Parker Palmer. (laughs) There we go. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are coming to the place where we should be, you know, beginning to find our way to the close of the show. But um, I guess... You know, that idea of the growing edge. You've already kind of talked a little bit about that. But um, I guess I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it again. You know, what are what are some of the growing edges that, that you're seeing within yourself, but also uh, in the country right now? I mean, I have to say, you know, there's a lot of things that are happening in the Indiana legislature that feel very heartbreaking for me and disturbing for me. 
And, mm-hmm. um, and what is the growing edge that comes there for myself as wanting to be a person involved with community common good? You know, where are the growing edges right now where we're at uh, as a community as well as an individual? Well, what's so challenging when you serve is there's not a, you know, there's a yes and there's a no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no like maybe button. There's no maybe button. You are either going all in one way or the other. And, you know, life just isn't that way. Life is so much more nuanced. I mean, for me, that's how I see life. And these votes that you take, um, I've had conversations with colleagues who will say, because I'll say, have you ever thought about votes you've taken that you thought, hmm, you, you, you continue to think about them long after you yeah. take them? Uh, many people will say yes, but you'll get a handful. Of, no, I mean, <laughs> I place that. Absolutely. I know. you know, And yes, there are votes like that that you take, but hmm, um, there certainly are votes that aren't um, so cut and dry like that. And my own growing edge is making sure when when I feel when I feel that there is uh, sort of my own vessel is empty or wanting, if I am driving back and forth, just as this is just as an example, and I can't think of the person I need to call to to talk help me talk through something, then. I know I'm not in a good space and I need to take some time to rethink my list of people because I I need that I need these people in my in my life to be able to call up if it's just to laugh and be silly yes but if it's to process something that's going on and to talk about it if I can't think of that person then I know I need to actually carve out time to come up with that list, even if it's one person, a list of one. But I, I cannot be effective if I don't have someone else that I am um, actively working through issues, emotions, realities of that which uh, of those that I am holding and representing yeah. at the state house. And the growing edge for me is constantly working at that. Yeah. And that is, if, if, if issues are evolving, I'm evolving, and people are evolving, and I need to, in many different ways, make sure that I have folks that I can call and talk th- through issues with. Um, and since the issues change, that list needs to change, and that's not always easy hmm. um, yeah. you know, as an individual. And another, I guess, area that um, will continue to be a growing edge for me as long as I am I have the honor of serving in in public offices um honestly that perfection piece is really hard for me because I think people do deserve you know somebody who's very hardworking and thoughtful and available so that I want to be that kind of public servant I also know I have other responsibilities. So it's just constantly, people ask me, how do you find a balance? I'm like, well, it's never like, I'm balanced. <laughs> There's not like an, an end spot. It's just constantly um, trying to, checking in, you know, especially being a, a parent, um, checking yeah. in to make sure where are people, are they in good spaces? Because, um that is important for me in serving others is that I feel that my kids are, are in good spots as well. So it's a growing edge of just not only just, um, having good rootedness in my, um, roots, but having the ability to be flexible in my life and in my relationships. I think that, you know, that goal for balance that's, you know, having one hand on one side and, you know, like your open palms and they're balanced on either side. I just, there's a little mythology to that. You know, I I think balance generally is, oh, we're readjusting on this side. Oh, we're readjusting on that side. Oh, and the hope is that you're not like leaning all the way over to one side, you know, Mm -hmm. left or the right, you know, but that you're finding this equilibrium always. Um, And I think as a parent, definitely, 
you know, there's when you when you have a passionate work and a passionate life, um, and you're also a passionate parent. You know that I think mm-hmm. always making those small adjustments is kind of part of how it works. Um, but yeah, the illusion mm-hmm. of I'm perfectly balanced now. You know, <laughs> you know I, I I'm I'm not I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's actually a reality for. I get, except for maybe that one perfect person in the world. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. we, we can talk Which, about that later. We'll figure out. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, as we come to the end of a, what's been, for me, a wonderful, wonderful conversation, so honest, so grounded, so human, so real, thank you so much. just want to say two things, Shelley. One is I loved your idea of checking that list of people with whom you can engage in truth-telling and growing and learning and healing. Mm -hmm. Because it took us right back to where you started us with your Mennonite family and your your dad. It's about community building, isn't it? It's about constantly checking in on that network of folks who nurture you and whom you help nurture. And to make sure that kind of core ecosystem of your life is in good health. So that's one bit of feedback I would like to give you with real gratitude for the theme that's run through this conversation. And then finally, I want to say that, again, back to where we started, anyone who listens carefully to this almost hour of conversation with you is going to find that the words politician and politics have been redeemed. Uh, we've done that we've done that we can send that to Funk and Wagnalls or whoever is doing the dictionary these days and uh, say put the word back in because we now know what it means in it's human truly human form thank you so much thank you so much for inviting me to be part of this conversation it's been just a delight to have you with us today You've been listening to The Growing Edge with Carrie Newcomer and Parker Palmer. Thank you for joining us today, and I hope you'll check out the next episode. And don't forget to visit our website, newcomerpalmer.com, newcomerpalmer.com, so you can join in the conversation, too. And now we have a favor to ask. If you like today's show, rate us and leave a review on iTunes. It's the best way to help us reach new audiences and bring more voices into the conversation. All the music you heard on today's show was written by our own Carrie Newcomer. And much gratitude to Gary Walters for performing the song, The Clean Edge of Change. And wild appreciation for Allison Quantz for creative envisioning, direction, and production, and because she helps us balance it all.